You are listening to My Comic Shop History, part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. If you enjoy My Comic Shop History, would like to support the show, and also want exclusive access to extra podcasts, be sure to sign up for my Patreon page. Patreon's a form of crowdfunding where users or patrons pledge low-level monthly amounts in exchange for rewards. Rewards on the My Comic Shop History page include up to four exclusive additional podcasts, My Comic Shop Book Club, My Super Fan History, the My Comic Shop History After Show, and coming in early 2019, Beyond My Comic Shop. If you enjoyed that four-part miniseries that I did with Ben Lichtenstein from Zap Comics earlier this season, we're going to be playing around more with that format on the Patreon version of Beyond My Comic Shop. So if you're interested in any of that, or if you just want to support this show and what I do, be sure to head on over to patreon.com slash mycomicshophistory. I want to say thank you so much to everyone who has already pledged. Every pledge amount, from a dollar to $10 or more, every pledge is greatly appreciated, and it allows me to continue to be able to create this show. A special shout out to our newest VIP patrons, Rob Krieger and Justin Wiggins. Thank you guys, and again, thank you to everyone who has pledged. If you'd like to join, head on over to Patreon now. Hesitation kills. This episode is brought to you in part by a family of film festivals, the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City in March, the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island in April, and the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park in May. Find them all on Film Freeway, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're looking to submit a film, use the Film Freeway discount code SJRBRIGHT2019 for Brightside Tavern and SJRHOTYS2019 for Hang On To Your Shorts. In the meantime... Visit iTunes or a shareduniverse.com to tune into the official Hang On to Your Shorts podcast. Whether you're a filmmaker looking to get your work out there or a movie lover looking to discover some great independent films, I hope you'll check out these festivals. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This week, we turn our attention to the fascinating world of cosplay. Let me introduce my guest. To my left, I'm very excited to welcome back to the show, my wife, Stephanie Desiato. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. And I'm really excited to welcome a brand new voice to the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Across from me, we have cosplayer extraordinaire, Peggy Pincurls. Peggy, welcome. Thank you. Hello. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. So to our listeners, uh, if you were at New York Comic Con at the beginning of October, there's a decent chance you may have seen Peggy as uh, Captain Carter or Agent Carter or Winter Soldier or uh, what was the last one? The Black Widow. Or Black Widow, right? You, <laughs> yes. you dressed up as, as four different characters over the weekend. I usually bring four different costumes. Depending on how many days the show is, I'll try to bring something different for every day. And I finally have, I think, enough costumes that I can do that with. That's awesome. And so just by way of very quick recap, 
So, Steph, you and I, last season, we discussed our admittedly limited cosplay experience, but we spent our uh, first wedding anniversary at New York Comic Con 2017. Oh, fun. And we dressed at, yeah, she's a good sport. (laughs) The cosplay was her idea, though. We cosplayed as Matt Murdock and Elektra from the Netflix Daredevil show. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. (laughs) So, and we had a lot of fun, and it was the kind of thing where... You know, I would have done this episode either way, but I think this episode will be better for the fact that we've at least had some experience cosplaying ourselves because it is, and we'll talk about this obviously, such a different way of experiencing a convention. Yes, the the whole experience and interaction with, with strangers really um, is very different once you're, you put on a costume. Yeah, we were going to do it again, but then you you weren't that into uh, what? No, you said, I'm going on Thursday with Steve Odo, so forget it. (laughs) So we discussed this in the previous episode. Uh, I just did New York Comic Con one day this year. I went with the uh, former owner of the store where I used to work. Uh, we went to the Diamond Retailer Breakfast, oh. uh, which which was interesting. We talked about that in the last episode. But I said to Steph, I was like, if you want to do another day, I would go again. But you you weren't as interested. I think you got your fill. This but- past year, we've gone to a few different cons, like in C- at C2E2 um, and a few smaller shows. So I was... L- I don't want to say Comic-Con to out, but <laughs> I had gotten my fill for the year and just the experience at New York Comic-Con, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, is so overwhelming. It's so packed that I didn't know that I could do it again a second year in a row uh, quite yet. And we didn't have any costumes planned or prepared at that time. So I, there is, I mean, there's no shame in that. I can say I'm a eight-year veteran of New York Comic-Con itself. Just that show simply, I had a panic attack uh, this year at... I'm at the point where I hate to say it. I hate Funko Pop for even existing. Oh, no. Their booths. And I, I do collect them. I collect the Funkos of the costumes that I do or the characters that I, I do. So I've got, you know, all the Agent Carter ones of which there admittedly weren't many. Hello, Funko Pop. More of them, please. Um, <laughs> I've got the Captain America ones. I've got the Winter Soldiers. I have I have four or five grumpy soldiers and Black Widows surrounding my television set. And even still, I was just, oh. God, I just, I they were so many people. I was in the soldier. So I had the big latex arm on. I'm trying to keep my rifle from hitting people in the face. And I was hiding in the medieval times booth behind the Funko Pop booth. And I just was like, can't do it. Can't do it. I, my friends found me cringing in a corner and they saw me and they were like, oh, they, they know me well. They're like, she needs a minute. We need a Sprite and five minutes away from these people. <laughs> and then I was fine. But it was just, there was too, too much, too many, too many people and I've been doing this for eight years. I've volunteered at them before. I had an exhibitor badge. I've been an exhibitor for the last three years. And I still couldn't handle the clamoring of humans for Funko Pops. <laughs> so. yeah. it, no, I mean, it certainly can be overwhelderwing. I mean, I understand it's a lot that. of stimuli. It's, it's, yeah, yes. it's very much a sensory overload if you're not, you're not the kind of person who can handle that much noise and pushing and shoving. And it's to be expected. It's not that we don't know what we're going into. Right. But I think I was just at a moment where I kind of noped on out of there for a couple of minutes. <laughs> I don't know if it's embarrassing for me to admit that or not, but no, not at all. So you know, I want to get into uh, you know your whole cosplay, you know, history and process and all of that. But if you could just kind of lay out for us, I mean, in a given year, like how many shows are you going to? How often are you cosplaying? Who are the characters you're cosplaying as? Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, it's got to be about a dozen shows a year, um, at the least. Depending on what the event is, if there's a certain guest that I want to do, if I'm asked to do something like sit on a panel, 
um, do photo shoots, that kind of thing. I do like to do photo shoots at shows and I like to work with about half a dozen different photographers and I'm always looking to see who's who's shooting where and who you can form a business relationship with. So yeah, I would say about a dozen shows a year, between 12 and 15 shows a year of varying sizes. I do try to bring different characters to every show. It's kind of tailored on who the audience is and the location. Like I actually began cosplaying um, in the G.I. Joe fandom. So there is a G.I. Joe costume club. They're called The Finest. They started as Cobra's Finest and then they included the G.I. Joe. So they just shortened it to The Finest. So that's how I began. And there's a lot of smaller shows, uh, places where there is a concentration of G.I. Joe collectors or cosplayers. So that's more, I bring those costumes when it's more tailored to that particular audience. The bigger shows, I bring my Marvel, my Marvel lineup, <laughs> so, which is my favorite. I think we saw the G.I. Joe cosplayers at one of the shows we were at. I wouldn't I be surprised if they were, they, they were probably, if they were local, that's our guys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's my garrison, which is the um, 13th Civil Defense. They are the New Jersey, New York, uh, Pennsylvania area. Oh, They're okay. actually, yeah, I want to so. say, um, yeah, we have, we have several garrisons. We're kind of like the 501st, the Star Wars cosplayers in that respect, so that every, this, the country is divided up into garrisons. We have uh, the UK. We have a UK contingent. There is, I think, one, one member in Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> We've got a couple <laughs> of people kind of scattered across the globe, but it's mostly concentrated in the United States. But so I was doing in the beginning a lot more cons with them. So my my uh, first G.I. Joe costume was Scarlet, Sean O'Hara. So which was originally how I had my original stage name, which I feel like I'm on gem. I'm calling it a stage <laughs> name, but who I also cosplay, by the way. <laughs> um, and like those costumes, like I've got, you know, my gem costumes. We did the Misfits one year. Those are we go to a con called RetroCon down in Oaks, Pennsylvania. It's a lot of fun, but I will save the more quote unquote retro cosplays for something like that at this point. I, I consider my Marvel lineup my heavy hitters. So I bring them, they're, they're the costumes I've put the most work into at this point. I mean, you mentioned, I just want to jump back for a second. Yeah. You mentioned the photographers you work with. Oh yeah. So photography is actually a passion of staffs and she's sort of my personal photographer and we go to all these comic shops filming and everything. <laughs> she's always snapping away. Oh wow. Like what makes for a good photography experience when you're, when you're getting photographed as a cosplayer? What do you look for? Um, I, I tend to look for a lot of, um, well, I mean, professionalism is always paramount. There are unfortunately, as a woman and a cosplayer, you're going to run into certain hurdles. Or things that you would find less than desirable with certain certain photographers, and I'm I'm sad to say it, but it does exist. We have to be careful about that kind of thing. I always bring friends with me when I, I go shoot with, a, especially with a new photographer. But I appreciate when they're when they're patient. I'm I have low self esteem. I have terrible body image issues. I always think I look incredibly goofy in photos. <laughs> so I'm always uh, appreciative if a photographer is willing to kind of coach me through everything direction is very important um i mean they can demonstrate a simple knowledge of their craft very quickly so i can pick up you know in about two minutes whether or not they actually know what they're doing and whether or not they care you i mean depending even if they don't know who the character you're cosplaying is i appreciate when they put the same level of dedication as they would with a character that they personally love right you know like if i'm you know, shooting in the Black Widow and, you know, everybody loves the Black Widow. <laughs> so it's it's fairly easy to get photographers kind of interested and, and engaged with that sort of thing. But if I'm in somebody a little more obscure, like one of my G.I. Joe costumes or there are people that 
don't remember Agent Carter as anything other than Captain America's girlfriend, and I correct them. Well, you had a moment Stop. on the convention floor. Oh, God, that was actually hilarious. <laughs> I was in Agent Carter. I was in my favorite Agent Carter uniform, which was the Project Rebirth scene where Steve is getting the super serum and she's they chase down the Hydra soldier into the street and she shoots at him in the taxi, that sort of thing. It's my favorite outfit. It's my favorite costume, period, hands down. And it's the one that I feel the most like the character in. So I was that's what I wore to um, moderate the Besame Agent Carter panel at New York Comic Con because I wanted to feel my most confident and to what I thought was look my best. So I was walking across the con floor and some some guy yells out, it's Captain America's girlfriend. And I, before I could even stop myself, I turned around and stomped my foot and said, excuse me, I am far more than Captain America's girlfriend. Thank you very much. All of the women were very appreciative around me in a little half circle. And I was like, yes, and I just kept going. Yeah, no, good for you That's as great. well. You should. I mean, the character is so important to me. She's so special to me for a thousand reasons if there's one and just to hear it reduced to the soundbite <laughs> that is eh, Captain America's girlfriend especially since her TV series and Marvel telling her story was all about how she was so much more than Captain America's girlfriend it's actually a matter of pride for me to correct people yeah. on that I mean so you know as a as a female cosplayer and I'm sure this will come up in a, in a number of the things that we discuss you know there's a whole different set of issues and you know last season when we did our cosplay episode we had our buddy Justin DeVoe uh, he does a terrific Lobo cosplay oh he was did, he there this year he was I saw him he was I'm I, sure you, yeah, he was I did. all over the place oh yeah no I, he was a terrific Lobo I mean <laughs> yeah and so like we had a lot of fun talking to him last year but as a as a guy cosplayer it's it's a different you know different set of issues and a different type of don't experience. get me wrong they have their own issues and sure. they're just as important yeah and, no absolutely just as you know just as difficult to navigate so exactly. i don't want to act like we as women have the monopoly on on issues because we don't <laughs> <laughs> but it's like we had you know we had that perspective so I'm, I'm glad that you know we have a different perspective now that we can explore i think it's important to get into that um i meant to say um another thing that i appreciate with my photographers is again even if they're not recognizing the character or even when they do i really appreciate them i'm very nervous when i do photo shoots all the time i'm like What's sticking out? Do I need to suck in more? Are my shoulders pulled back? Uh, is my shield star in the proper position? I mean, I, I will get pictures back and not realize it's been upside down. And then we have to do everything again. And that's like, it's half on me. It's half on the photographer. You're, you've got to check each other. But when they have fun with it, I, I, I become so much more relaxed. It's so much more of a fun experience for me. And then I forget that I am self-conscious and I remember that this is fun and I'm supposed to be doing it for fun. And that's so important to me. One of my favorite photographers is uh, Mr. Howard Levy. He's a world of HSL photography. He is a delight to shoot with. And I was shooting Captain Carter with him. It might have been actually one of my first shoots in Captain Carter. And he gives me this very serious look over the camera. And he goes, be freedom. <laughs> I look at him and he goes, more. Be more freedom. <laughs> Howard actually did my like, first. What do I do with my hands? I, I, I just gave him a look, and I and then he says, "Well, you know, look very serious at me." And then he says that, and I kind of gave him a frown. He goes, "That, that's it, that's it." <laughs> but that that's what helps me kind of get into the mood and get into the character. And the more comfortable I am with a photographer, the better the photos are going to come out. Mm -hmm. Right. So now are these photographers who specialize in cosplay, or they're general photographers? No, they're general yeah. photographers. I think a lot of the work they do. Um, if they're if they're fans, a lot of the work they do is is cosplay because they. But they, I don't. I, they've done a million other things. Howard does headshots. He does you know pinup shoots, modeling shoots. I'm thrilled to hire him. I'd like to get some uh, pinup work done because when I'm not cosplaying, um, I usually do 1940s style pinup 
I will do it at work. I mean, everyone at work wants to know how I do my hair, where I get my clothes, and I'm, I'm thrilled that they are that comfortable with that side of my life. I think Justin mentioned the a lot of cosplayers and photographers hang out at New York Comic Con in front of the building. In the tunnels. Kind of like, yeah. oh, that, oh, I didn't even real, I didn't even know there were tunnels. But yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it's underneath the the walkway. It's if you go out the bottom right door, the section of the building called the Crystal Palace. If you exit the Crystal Palace, you're underneath the overpass, and that is called called quote unquote the tunnels. Oh, <laughs> where everything, and that is where the majority of the photo shoots are are done. It's ah. kind of a basic background. It's easy to adjust the lighting. Mm-hmm. A lot of the photographers bring light stands and, you know, those, forgive me, those little parasol things. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what they are. But um, I've gotten some some great shots out there. But it's I think it's just the most space for them to set up. Mm-hmm. It's a, w- a good way for them to adjust the light balance the way that they want it to. There's also a park across the street. Um, it's the subway station, the Hudson Yards subway station for the seven. That's a beautiful location. And I'll often nip over there with one of my photographers to get some really good shots. I've done some shots there uh, with DGW photography. Uh, Howard HS- World of HSL did a beautiful shoot for me last year with a gentleman called the Colorado Captain who uh, rides across the country on his motorcycle for charity as Captain America. So we got some great shots with the motorcycle at the park at Hudson Yards. It's actually one of the most fun shoots I've ever gotten to do. And Howard outdid himself on those shots. They're brilliant. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> you know, you mentioned the day job. What is your day job? What's oh, your alter ego when you're not yeah. one of these characters? <laughs> um, I'm actually a, a bookkeeper. I'm an accountant. Uh, I'm not a CPA. I did not study accounting in school, but I am sort of a staff accountant at a, a boutique a office on the Upper East Side. And it's kind of comforting. I, I really just started working there. And it's very comforting to have coworkers who are aware of the things I do <laughs> in my personal life and they're actually interested and they want to see photos and they want to talk about it and they know I have an Instagram and it's it's a little scary, <laughs> especially when I've just debuted a costume such as the Black Widow <laughs> where I'm like, oh yes, we were just in a meeting about, you know, taking care of the taxes for this, you know, farm that you guys own. But also here's me in a skin tight black suit with my zip down to, you know, the cleavage. (laughs) So I worried a little little bit, but they've been very supportive. And they're very supportive of uh, the 1940s vintage lifestyle that I I live. So I, you know, I come in and they're saying, where did I get my dress? You know, how do I do my hair? What can I, what tips can I give them? And that's Really, really nice. That's great. No, I love to hear something like that because I know it can be it can be weird when your worlds collide. Like yes, that. <laughs> I mean I'm not exactly a huge Batman fan, but in in the later years I have come to an appreciation for Bruce Wayne <laughs> having yeah. to you know be himself. Yeah. Um, when I I'm out on the con floor, people will ask me what I do sometimes. The way that you know you you do you making small talk, you ask what somebody does, and I'll say, oh, you know, I'm I'm an accountant. And they look at me and they say, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, you're only saying that right now because I'm dressed as Bucky Barnes with lamp black smeared over my face looking like a hot mess. But I actually can put on a suit and go crunch numbers for 10 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I wonder what, what day job they're expecting. I, I do yeah. wonder that as well. I'm not sure if they, they think maybe I'm just... You know, that's a a good question. Well, I have had people ask me that even when I'm not in costume because I do the 1940s vintage look, which is very flattering to me because 
I think I look like no one that anyone would ever want to put on screen for any reason whatsoever. But that's just that's just me. That's my. No, I, I have to issues. say all the photos that I've seen, I haven't seen a, a huge number, but especially the ones recently from Comic-Con that I took a peek at, you look beautiful oh, in them. Thank you. And your, so your costumes kind. are amazing. That is one of, another thing I check my photographers on. It's a benchmark for them. I will look at a photo from them and think, oh, that doesn't even look like me. And that is a compliment coming from me because I do not like the way I look. So if I look at that and go, oh, is that me? Then I get very excited. And then I'm thinking, what else can I hire them for? Like, what other shoots can we do? What character? do I need to pull out of the closet now? You know, the psychology of this is, is really interesting to me. And I know you've mentioned, you know, body image and self-esteem issues. And I'm sorry if I, I keep harping on no, it. No, not at thing. all. No, I mean, I think it's really interesting because, you know, with... And cos- important. It's important, yeah. But, you know, with cosplay, you're doing something where you're, you're on display like that. So sort of how do you reconcile those two things? Or is it that the cosplay allows you to get past it because you're inhabiting a different it's type of character? It's very much the second thing. Yeah. I um, was very shy as a child. Um, I did not, and I'm very, I don't want to say socially awkward because that term is kind of mutated into something that's turned into an excuse for a lot of people's poor behavior. So I try not to, try not to ascribe to that, but I do feel that it kind of brings me out of my comfort zone, which is something that I need because given left to my own devices, I will fold into myself and just not be social and not try new things and not talk to new people. So this was very much a way to force myself to do all of those things. And in the beginning, it was, I mean, everybody likes attention. So it was very interesting to me that I was getting attention for this thing that I was doing and that people wanted to talk about the things that I liked to talk about, you know, the comics I like to read and the TV shows I like to watch. So that was a jumping off point to start a conversation with a new person who, you know, and it's not something that's easy for me to do. But eventually, and this is this is so odd, I'm trying to come up with a way that doesn't sound sort of like a humble brag, <laughs> but I have had people come up to me more recently and tell me that they follow my Instagram and that I've inspired them to make their own costumes or the I do tend to share personal stories that are connected to the costumes that I wear on my social media just to kind of make it a little more personal for everyone involved and not just be, here's me in a new costume. Like, this is why this is special to me. I recently posted a Black Widow photo and I was like, this is why Natalia is so special to me. I've done that with Barnes. This is why Bucky means so much to me and why I cosplay. I don't cosplay any character without a very deep reason, at least for me, that connects to me. So when people come up to me and tell me that I've inspired them to make their own costume or that something I said about how these connect to me personally comforted them, that was a big deal for me. So it's more about like the fact that you, despite every doubt that I have about myself and everything that I worry about, that people still find hope or comfort in the things that I say. So then it's more about not failing those people and continuing to be, to be that standard that's helped them somehow, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, it's very much about forcing me to, not about being on display so much, but it's like forcing me to, you know, interact with other people instead of just hiding and folding in on myself. Yeah. Steph, why were you laughing at me when when, uh, (laughs) Peggy was talking about the attention aspect? Because (laughs) as some listeners may know, Anthony is not a big fan of dressing up or dressing up in costume, I'll say, or dressing up in in formal attire. Um, But... Once I convinced him to play Daredevil, um, or actually Matt Murdock at last year's Comic-Con, which was a relatively 
simple outfit with a few props that really had, was his Matt Murdock's signature look. Yeah, the glasses um, and the stick when most of the way there. people from, you know, across the aisle and walking past were like, it's Matt Murdock. Oh, it's Daredevil. Um, I just remember one at, I think, several points. He looked at me and said, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm not going to lie. It is fun. <laughs> it's, it's kind of validating a yeah. little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I think a huge block for us as as people and cosplayers as i mean again i hate to sound like a total trope but as people who enjoyed geek things and might have been in the minority for it socially growing up to then have that kind of validation for it is is a little it's kind of (laughs) nice yeah no it's true and i mean this is very self-serving but you know when we did the cosplay i was in the midst of a kickstarter campaign for the documentary that i'm working on now thankfully the kickstarter succeeded oh congratulations (laughs) but one of the reasons we went to comic-con was i had postcards for the project and the kickstarter and i wanted to hand them out and you know behind the mic i'm i'm pretty comfortable but in person there's there's i was very shy as a child and there's some of that that's that's still with me so for me to just go up to people and say hey i'm i'm running a kickstarter here's a card that would have been challenging for me but since we were cosplaying people came up to us asked to take photos with us and then that door was open and i was like oh hey by the way here's this it was significantly easier mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. I've I've worked with um, some of my costume clubs on charity charity drives. We did one with the finest every year. I'm sure they're going to do it again next year. Um, we called it the Girls of the Finest campaign. It was a cosplay calendar, and uh, it was 12 months, uh, different cosplayers for every month. But we would pick a different military related charity every year to you know give the proceeds to. We had a I think it was an Indiegogo. And um, we started with Wounded Warrior Project. We moved on to the USO. And for the last couple of years, we've been doing a great charity. Um, It's called Canines for Warriors. It is an organization that trains service dogs to then be service dogs for veterans. And And they're fantastic to work with. Everyone was actually fantastic to work with. But it is a lot easier, as you say, to talk, to kind of do the the pitch <laughs> when people are coming up to you asking you for for a photo or chatting with you it's very be like oh the reason we're here is yeah <laughs> here's the thing <laughs> like, first of all chills because i mean you love hair you love makeup and do i you love dogs so oh. i mean that's <laughs> my long, dream long, that's my checklist yeah, my trifecta. dream is to have a corgi I, my dream is to eventually have a corgi i have um i'm i'm a geek i'm not gonna lie i write fan fiction <laughs> in my spare time it calms me down and um between my my fan fiction page on the archive of our own site and uh my facebook i came up with this silly little headcanon i guess where Steve and Peggy adopt a corgi and its name is Brooklyn. So it's like, never, never think I'm cool. I, I, tell, I tell the people that come up to me and say, oh, I follow your Instagram. And I was like, don't worry. Please don't ever think I'm cool. I'm so nerdy. <laughs> well, maybe on that note, right? The big question I'm sure people are wondering, and I'm wondering, is how you got into this. And so, I mean, I guess to start with, as far as just your affinity for these characters, did you come to them through the comics or through the movies or some other way? Um, and a little bit of both, actually. Um... I actually went to my first con as a volunteer. I volunteered at New York Comic Con, I want to say it was 2010, maybe, or 2011, um, because I wanted to see what it was like and to see if I wanted to go as a guest. So I volunteered for the four days and I worked celebrities' lines and Ms. Katie Sackhoff patted me on the rear end and said, good job. And like, you know, everyone was, I saw all the costumers. And how do you um, even volunteer those? It just through the read pop I, I did. I mean, this was, this was, you know, almost 10 years ago at the time. But like, yes, no, I just kind of went through the read pop site and I signed up to be a volunteer and they make you go to a little meeting and 
you know, then I mean, I'm sure it's bigger at this at the time, you could get three day passes, like split, it wasn't like it is now It was much, much smaller. Right. So and I've had an exhibitor badge, I've been lucky enough to have an exhibitor badge for the last couple of years. So I haven't had to deal with the ticket queue. And how are you getting in as an exhibitor? If I'm working a booth or doing a panel, you you get a badge for that. I mean, and I'm, I'm know enough exhibitors who I'm lucky enough that they will, if they want me to do something for them, you know, you, you, they pay in trade. (laughs) So you get, get the badge. And for me, it's worth it. And I I do love helping my friends who are exhibitors. I I enjoy it. So everyone wins. Yeah. Well, I mean, that can be a big thing for a booth to help attract people, draw, draw people in as they're walking by to see a cosplayer there. Well, I don't even do that in cosplay. It's usually just kind of uh, stocking or, or running sales. I mean, this year it was definitely the most special experience I've ever had. Uh, representing Besame Cosmetics for their Agent Carter line and moderating the panel. I'm still so flattered and honored that they asked me to do that. Yeah, that's so cool. It was amazing. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And between that and the largely successful debut of the Black Widow costume, I think it was my best con yet. But I started that um, as the volunteer, and I had such a good time that weekend that I called up my best friend, uh, Again, on Instagram, she is Shazza Versus. She is my cosplay ride or die buddy. And we've been doing this together for as many years as I've been doing it. And um, we were friends in university. And I said, we've got we to gotta go to this. This is so fun. Like, we got to do this. <laughs> so, so next year we went one day and we had very simple, they call it a closet cosplay. Like it's things that you just kind of yank out of your closet. I think the oh, most, okay. the most, um, intricate part of that costume for me was my vest was custom embroidered for me because I was Claire Redfield from the Resident Evil games. <laughs> so it was very, very simple costume for me. And she was a uh, Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games. And that was before the movies had come out. So wow. she was novel Katniss. She always is ahead of the curve on everything. So she's brilliant. So we went for the one day we came back with shopping bags full of crap <laughs> and we had so much fun. And there's so many photos of every cosplayer we ran into, tracked down, you know, chased and asked for a photo politely, always politely. But we had such a good time that we were like, oh, next year we've got to go all three days. And that was back when it was only three days. <laughs> Thursday night was um, pro night. And then the con was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now there is no <laughs> night as far as I know, unless it's Wednesday. Thursday is the new Friday and yeah. it's packed to the gills, you know, all day, every day. I know. I feel like it's only a matter of time before they follow San Diego's lead and introduce like a Wednesday preview night or That's, something. Yes. Thursday yeah. used to be the preview night for New York Comic Con and then it would start officially on Friday. And I'm sure that's actually definitely what's going to happen. With, yeah, with I feel them. like it's inevitable. And then it just kind of kind of grew after that. I, I The first serious costume I wore the year after that was my G.I. Joe Scarlett O'Hara cosplay. I was recruited <laughs> to the finest from that costume. And uh, then it was more that I was going to more than one show. And I was like, oh, there's more than one show? <laughs> there's shows in other places? Like I knew about San Diego, but I didn't know that there were smaller cons all over the place i didn't know about c2e2 i didn't know about emerald city but but actually just just to back up though so as far as um again just getting into these characters in the first place how did that start for you what made you even want to volunteer at a show you know i'm not even i don't even really remember what it was that made me want to do it i do remember we had recently seen uh scott pilgrim versus the world which if you want to talk obscure chris evans roles it's probably one of my favorites oh Uh, yeah that's right i want to put all of the lucas lee 
movie posters in my bathroom at the house because I feel like that would be the funniest place for them. <laughs> but, but so we had seen that and I loved all of the pop culture references in it and we were just very kind of hyped up and excited. And uh, my best friend had gotten me tickets to see, it was a Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which I know is a very polarizing we, <laughs> property. We, that was actually one of, when we started dating, that was actually one of the first things we did. Really? And I, I'm not going to lie, I'm very easily amused. I enjoyed it. So we had done that. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then we were just kind of so inundated at the time with all of our our geek stuff, so to speak, that um, I was like, oh, this is the next logical step is there's whole shows out there for people who enjoy this kind of thing. Like, let's see what this is like. So I kind of told myself I was going to do like an undercover mission and to see if it was something we wanted to to experience. And P.S. Eight years later, I'm on a podcast talking about all of it with you guys. So, well, no, and that's an important point that you know these comic cons, and this has come up in past episodes. They've obviously extended far beyond just comics, and they really encompass pop culture generally, which is something that for some of the hardcore comic fans is not always well received. And I think sometimes cosplay gets lumped in with that. I mean, have you ever very much so any sense from the, the people around you or online? of this kind of this pushback against the cosplay at the show. I have seen and heard, sadly, a bunch of, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I have a dim view of the people that espouse this opinion, that cosplay is ruining Comic-Cons for everybody and it's ruining it for the real fans. And I'm just like, I'll get you a Kleenex, you dope. I was a punk rock kid in university. I loved punk bands. I loved ska. And there was always this kind of underlying thing that if your favorite band was releasing things through like drive through records, um, or has small label, then it was okay. But the minute that they got an actual record deal, then you were like, oh, the sellouts, this is terrible. And I'm thinking, but like, <laughs> do you want more records or don't you? <laughs> like, it's fine if they're starving to death and then you can all throw your fists in the air, damn the man, save the empire kind of a thing. But the minute that they actually succeed, which is what you ought to want as a fan, then suddenly it's like they're sellouts and this is no good. And, and it's not cool anymore. No, exactly. <laughs> and you know, when you are 18, as I was, I, I totally understand, you know, wanting to rebel against literally everything. But as an adult <laughs> now, I'm 35 years old, I see the kind of the childishness of that thinking where it's, I mean, you can be a little disappointed in the direction something's going. And personally, I don't love how, New York Comic Con has, you know, those bloody car people out there. Like, okay, you put your cars in the Transformers movie. Do you need a whole booth on the floor for this? Like, I mean, <laughs> I can see it goes both ways. And right, everybody has something that they're looking for, right? Looking to get out of these absolutely. shows. Absolutely. Right? And it, you do have to make it, there is room for everyone here. And cosplay has injected a huge, you know, new life into the industry. Comics, I love them very much, but comics are not great at keeping their finger on the pulse of things all the time. They're, they're really not. I mean, okay, let's bring up DC for a second. And if, let me know if I'm getting too, too, a little, a little too raw with this, but no, hey, have DC had, had a recent controversy, as I'm sure you're aware of, with a certain comic and a certain panel <laughs> and a certain thing. Even, that, even Steph knows yeah, about Stephanie's that. laughing. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, it's, and we're when, talking about, bat we're talking penis. about Batman. Yeah, we are talking about bat penis. And I, I originally thought it was a joke. I had to see we we were reading the Onion, and <laughs> so and then when I said, oh, you know what? And I was just like, okay, good. And a lot of the the people I knew, retailers, I mean, men and women alike, were like, all right, good. And then DC, you know, censored it and recalled it. 
And it's just, I'm, and I'm sure I'm not I'm a broken record and I'm repeating what everyone I know has said at this point, but it says, okay, we show bat penis for one printing and it's horrifying. We have to recall this. This is terrible. Let's do a 25th reprinting of Harley Quinn's nipples in something else. Like it's such a double standard. It's atrocious in every way, shape and form. And I'm so disappointed in the industry for this. So it's, I think it's important for things like cosplay and things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe to sort of give everybody a fresh perspective on things because if we just leave it up to you know, the comics industry alone or the fans that have been doing this for 40 years alone, you're only going to get one perspective on it. The kids that collected comic books you know, when they were my age when I first started reading comic books, I was nine years old, like they've all grown into middle-aged adults right now. We might need some fresh blood in here. Yeah. It's, you know, it takes all, it takes all kinds. It does. I mean, I guess, so I kind of have two thoughts on this whole, uh, you know, some of this criticism of cosplay and its impact on the convention scene specifically, you know, as a comic book fan myself and Steph, you know, this, like we've heard this from a lot of people we've interviewed for the documentary talking about how they got into comics and how, you know, again, it's really only been in these, this past decade plus where, you know, the movies have been so prominent and comics have been so much more accepted. It's like, I remember even growing up, not that they were so stigmatized, but it's like, there certainly weren't a lot of people in, in my class, for example, who were fellow comic book fans. It's like, I didn't have that. That's why it was such a big deal for me when I started working at the comic shop. And it's like, oh my God, like I can finally talk to people about this. So I think comic fans in general know what it's like to be part of something that's not widely accepted. So I feel like that should make you more accepting of other things. You would <laughs> think. You would think. And sometimes it does. And other times it so blatantly doesn't that I'm goggling at these people saying like do you not remember how it was when we were younger do you not remember how awful you felt what is i mean like what is the major complaint about the cosplay like is it that you're taking photos in the aisles and they can't walk like what i wish it were that simple um it's unfortunately and I, i hate to be this this polarizing myself but it seems to be a lot of you know gatekeeping You know, women aren't true fans. They're just wearing bathing suits. You know, you don't actually know anything about Doctor Who. You don't actually know anything about Star Wars. You know, you're just doing it for attention. And it happens to men, too. You know, you just you don't know anything about this. And you're just doing this to, you know, get attention. And that that applies to both men and women. And nine times out of 10, it's not true. And it's just it's just a waste of everyone's time. And it's just showing if you're the, the antagonist, how entitled you are. Entitlement is a terrible, rampant problem in the community. And not just cosplayers, with with comic fans, with movie fans. I mean, I've had people accuse me of, you know, saying that I only really understand the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I never read the books. And then I've got to talk about Cap Wolf, (laughs) which, look, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy Cap Wolf, but I'm not going to say it was good. But so, like, that's what happens. Like, you'll get, and is this in person or online? Both. But you get it in person, too. And I will say, even as a cosplayer of Agent Carter, who not everybody really knows about, or knows too much about, and I've, I've, you know, been gotten some blowback because, you know, oh, well, I only understand how she, you know, was in the MCU, and it wasn't like that in the books, and I said, well, they grafted most of Sharon Carter's backstory onto Peggy, which is why Sharon Carter didn't really work in the movies, they didn't really give her anything to work with, because so much of her backstory had been cannibalized for Peggy, but Peggy Carter, in her own right, even in the comic books, was a fantastic character. She was in an interracial relationship when that was not a thing that you wrote about or talked about or anything. And there were characters in the comic that were upset at her for that. There were people in real life that were upset at her for that. Like, that's a big deal. 
I mean, that's important. So to have people say you don't understand this character in a comic convention where so, there's so many tables to flip. I don't know why anyone would say that to me when I was in, within flipping distance of a table. But And then so you feel like you have to, like you're put in that position where you have to defend your, your family. It does yeah. suck when you feel, it does suck to be put in the defensive position because you're just doing this for fun. We're all right. doing this for fun. And when you have to immediately get into a goalie's crouch because somebody, you know, feels the need to defend their, you know, personhood <laughs> with this is why I'm better at this than you. And I'm just like, really? We could all be reading a book right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I respect you that you have the knowledge of the history of the characters and they have deeper meanings and it's not, I don't even want to say just for, you know, oh, you like the way she looks and you picked her. There's but that even too. If, I even mean, if it was, I mean, somewhat like some, I think probably Justin, um, has said like it's it brings characters to life it's like usually i mean before the the movies and television shows became popular or were even being made typically it's you're seeing these characters on a page but then a cosplayer can bring the person to life even though yes you know it's not actually captain america or agent carter or spider-man but the person some this being is living and breathing in front of you when you you know never thought that was possible that you get to meet spider-man um or Superman, whoever it is. So it's like, why why hate on that? Even if the person's like, I think the spandex is cool and I want to be Spider-Man. What's wrong with that? There I mean, that's exactly like, it. There's no- nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's as simple as that. And I have this knowledge of these characters because I love them so much. But at the same time, when I am defending myself against whoever is coming up against me, and it's thank you very much for the compliment, but you say like, oh, it's great you have this knowledge. But I want to say to these detractors, I don't know this for you. I didn't get this right. knowledge to simply defend against you in the in the in, in the event that you came up and mm-hmm. kind of pushed back at me about it. That's not why I learned this fact. Like I already <laughs> knew this fact. I used to when I lived out on Long Island, I had a comic book shop that I frequented. I had a pull list there. It was around the time Matt Fraction's Hawkeye had first started to come out, and that still remains one of my favorite books. That was brilliant. And uh, I was reading a Star Lord comic. I would just kind of hang and, and read. I studied Taijutsu with the owner. So uh, we were friends and uh, I kind of would just hang around and read. And then <laughs> this guy came up and uh, he said, oh, she's reading a Star-Lord comic. You know, it's probably just because the Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out. And I sort of lowered my book just so my eyes were showing. <laughs> and, and the proprietor gives me a look and then he gives the guy a look and he goes, what, what can I ring up for you today? Like trying to ooch him out the door. And then he says to me, you know, oh, I bet your favorite character is Captain America. I'm like, oh, really? You saw my handbag in my wallet that have the shield emblazoned on both of them? Like, however did you guess that? Genius. But so it's just like, yes, Captain America is my favorite. Thank you. He's like, well, you know, he wasn't even a founding member of the Avengers. And I said, I do know that. He showed up in issue four. I said, I also know that the Winter Soldier exists because Bucky Barnes was killed off screen and it made a young fan so angry that years and years later, we now have the Winter Soldier because Ed Brubaker was so mad that that happened. So he gives me a look and then the proprietor looks at him. We all look back and forth and the proprietor just says, son, just don't. (laughs) Like warning him against me. And I said, I gave John a look and he goes, no, just do what you have to do. <laughs> so he's, I said, let me guess, you're upset that Ant-Man wasn't in the Avengers movie. And all I had to do was say that. And he went on an absolute tear about how Ant-Man was a founding member of the Avengers. And finally, I just shut him down with something I'm sure a lot of people these days do know. Where I was like, pretty sure Marvel and Disney weren't able to figure out how 
Basil abusing character should have fit into the children's movie about a team of superheroes. And he just kind of put everything down. I said, bye now. You have a good day. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very disappointing to me that you've had really like a stereotypical experience, right? Where It's disappointing and amusing in yeah. equal parts, I feel but like. But it's like that type of experience. Like that's what you get like versions of that on the Big Bang Theory. It's like a woman walks mm-hmm. into the store. They're a little bit better now. They have the female uh, employee. Yeah, I the love store. the Big Bang Theory for, for reasons that are mostly attributed to this mindset. Yeah, no, I know. Exactly. And but like that, what you just described, like that's what we've seen variations of. And like we've on heard Big Bang. from yeah. um, an employee at a comic shop, a female employee at a comic shop that says a, a customer will come in and, and quiz her. Like It's atrocious. To, I don't doubt yeah. that for a second. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really unfortunate. That's, and I'm, I'm not the only one with stories like this, as you said. I mean, everyone's got one and men and women alike have these stories. Mm-hmm. And at least you had the person behind the counter who was at least with it. But that's not always the case. No, either. it is not. I mean, I sort of was kind of amused and glad that he sort of gave me my head and let me run on that because that was a customer. <laughs> like, I didn't want to lose him a sale, right. but he he had my back on that and I appreciated it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, I mean, so like when, when you are quizzed and forced to prove, you know, that, that you are a fan and that you know what you're talking about, I mean, when you're able to kind of go back at them, what type of response do you get? Does that kind of shut them down? A lot of the times it does shut them down. Sometimes they'll try to redouble. And see if they can come up with a question that'll, you know, stump me. I feel that the way to combat this best is to not turn the behavior back on these people. If I say to somebody, oh, have you seen ABCD? And they say they haven't. I said, oh, well, you're in for a treat if you do end up reading it or watching it. Like, this is my favorite thing about it. Because it's best to just kind of... Kill them with kindness. Basically. And I do want to share... We do this because we want to share what we love. So why shouldn't we want to bring new things to people or, or learn new things ourselves? Yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely... I just, I just don't understand like this gatekeeping. Like why, why you would want to keep people out? Is it more of a... Like because as we were talking about before, it's like being a kid and into comics wasn't back in the 80s or 90s. It wasn't cool yet right like it is now there's not there wasn't this uh huge movement especially with the movies so it's like why you know having that feeling and then as an adult making other people want to feel that way i mean is that just like the shit falling down the tree like i think it's like, very I, possible it, it for is. me so i'm gonna make it hard for for others i think that there's i mean being bullied can go one of two ways you either learn and you know you learn how it made you feel and you try your best to kind of you know stamp it out wherever you can Mm -hmm. or you end up becoming the bully yourself and I feel like that's actually uh you know because I am attuned to the characters that I love so much that one of my favorite scenes in Captain America is Steve Rogers asks in the film Steve Rogers asks Dr. Erskine why did you pick me and he says well you know the strong man doesn't appreciate his strength he's always had it but the weak man appreciates you know, I get, chill, I get chills as you, <laughs> yeah. as you quote that. And he talks about the serum that way very much like how the creation of the Red Skull versus how it's going to work. He knows how it's going to work for Steve, but he says it brings, it amplifies. Good becomes great. Bad becomes worse. Right. And I, I really feel that that's kind of the case with that because the the weak man who's been who's been in those bad positions appreciates the value of strength. Somebody who's had it all their life, they don't know. They right. don't know what it's like not to have that. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, and maybe this is like the lawyers and us like trying to like trying to get a sense of what the other side of the argument mm-hmm. is. I, don't, I mean, the only thing I could other thing I could maybe point to is, you know, some of these fans feel like they put in their dues, like they earned their fandom through these decades of reading, whereas pe- people and who decades are decades of getting picked on. Right. And <laughs> then people who like watch the movie and now it's accepted and like they haven't 
suffered the way. Like, I don't know. No, I, I mean, think they, there's a lot of validity to that you know that observation yeah. i'm not saying it's it's a good thing i'm saying that there right. is there is a lot of validity to that observation you know but and even you know again like i really for the stores that we've gone to i think you know we've we've met a lot of great retailers but we have heard stories from people you know who have gone into stores and they haven't had a good experience mm-hmm. with the people working there or the, the owners and that too it's like you're running a business sell a comic to whoever comes in whether they watch the movies they read the whatever it is it's like they want to buy something from things one of my favorite things about the shop i used to um get the pull list from is sometimes i'd go in there on a random day and say hey john what's good and he'd he'd give me to like he'd direct me to an older book or something that was new that he thought was really great um it's how i found um i read a wonderful green arrow book it was called the longbow hunters that was the name of the arc um i think that book's fantastic and i'm not even a huge dc fan and that was on his recommendation um it's how I found a wonderful series. Uh, it's called Black Sad. It's a noir detective story where all of the characters are animals. And yeah. it's brilliantly drawn. It's beautiful. It's just a wonderful story. And those are things where I'd go in and say, what's good? Yeah. And he would tell me what he liked. And I would pick, I'd pick a new book. I mean, you know, going back to the convention side of this and some of the pushback against cosplay, you know, the other thought I have on this, and this came up a couple of episodes ago, I had Vincent Serzolo from Metropolis Collectibles. And, you know, I was talking to him about how, you know, people complain that there's so many shows, so many conventions. And I think his point was good. He was like, you know, the market will determine what's what's too many shows. And I think the same thing for cosplay. It's like, you know, if this weren't something that were working if they weren't selling tickets like maybe you would go in a different direction like clearly there's an audience and an appetite for this i agree completely mm-hmm. and there are other types of shows like the next the next episode just as a, as a quick tease uh, it's going to be kind of like our old school con edition because there's a, a show in clifton new jersey um that's like real real old school show i've not i haven't been but i've heard about it and it's just it's like dealers with long boxes of comics and like that's it yep. and so if you want that type of experience there's a show for you there's a show for everyone. I mean, right. there's anime cons. There's My Little Pony cons. There's Doctor Who themed cons. Walker there's Stalker. Walker Stalker. Walker Stalker owns actually quite a few shows. They also own Heroes and Villains, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, which I've, I've only been to the one. Um, not a huge, I, I like The Walking Dead, but not nearly as much as everybody who goes to <laughs> Walker Stalker. And I get that. Like, that show's not, not for me. It's not tailored to, you know, my interests. I will say on the convention side that every single you know, thumb war I've had to have with somebody who's gatekeeping me and thought I was a quote unquote fake geek. It's all completely obliterated on the other side when I have a small child come up and, you know, want a photo. I had a little girl, the first time I ever wore my Captain America and I I do my Captain America and my Winter Soldier. I don't cross play, but I also don't make the costumes super feminine. I just wear what I think the character would have worn, except they are a woman. So I was a little worried about Captain America because my wig, it's a custom wig, it's uh, by Hero Hair, it's a long blonde ponytail. And I was worried about small children being confused by a girl Captain America or possibly getting blowback from kids on that because I can deal with adults getting up in my face all day. A child would be terrified and heartbroken. So I was wandering around with my shield and uh, I, somebody tapped my sleeve and it was a woman and she says, I'm so sorry to bother you. And I'm like, oh, don't do this to get ignored. <laughs> you're, not, you're not bothering me. How can I help you? She's like, my little girl has been following you around for three hours. Like she oh. wants a photo with you. I said, oh, okay, fine. So uh, she had a little a Pokemon stuffed toy in her hand. And I will say I know very little <laughs> about that. I was a little too old when that came out. So it was like, I know very little about it. And uh, I said, hey, you know, hi, you know, what's your name? And she told me your name. And I said, and, and who's this? She holds up her toy and goes, Evie. <laughs> like really cute so uh, we took the photo and uh 
I asked her mother for permission to put it on social media, obviously, because she was a minor. And she said, no, you know, here's my Instagram. You can tag us in it. And then the little girl hugs me and says, I love Captain America. <laughs> and I was just like, Aww. I melted into a puddle of Peggy. Um, and I, I got up to go um, meet my friend at another booth. And this little boy was hanging over his mom's shoulder. And he had to be four. And he waves at me and says, hi, Captain America. <laughs> I was just like, okay, it's good. <laughs> like, I was just, All is right with the world. All is right with the world. I mean, I had two little girls, a little Ray and a little Jin or so um, in the, the restroom. I was fixing my tie. I was Agent Carter. I didn't even have my green jacket on. Um, my hair was up. And uh, I had the, the khaki shirt and I was fixing my tie because no matter how many times I do it, I will be unsatisfied with my first three attempts at a wince or not. And then usually I'll finally get out in the four. And the little, the little Jin or so tugged on my skirt and said, are you Agent Carter? And I was like, oh, yes, yes, I am. And so I told them they look great. And then we took a photo. And I didn't even have the jacket on. And I said to their mother, I was very impressed that they figured it out when I wasn't in the full uniform. And she looks at me and goes, oh, they love Agent Carter. <laughs> and that's like, that's great. They're so little, you know, like they, that's important. I, I was the Winter Soldier once. The first time I was the Winter Soldier, I didn't have my, my good, quote unquote, my good build. Um, I have a full latex arm for the Winter Soldier. It's very flexible. I have great range of motion in it. It photographs beautifully. People don't believe I can move it until they come up to me and then I just do whatever with it. And they're very, they want to touch it. They're impressed. I love the thing. So I had a 3D printed plastic arm for my first incarnation of Bucky. Also a very good arm, but no range of motion whatsoever. So I was having a bit of a, the scars on my left arm up and down are all from different different arms for Bucky oh my god so, that's, yeah. uh, that's commitment <laughs> yeah so um I was walking around and I I had you know my Uzi and uh, my Consafe guns obviously none of mine are are actually functional so I was walking around at a booth and this man was like oh and he's like can I can I touch it and I said yeah sure and he knocks on it it's 3d printed plastic and he turns to his kid who was about five or six and he says oh hey Logan look at this and the kid looks at me and goes oh my god <laughs> And I like gave him a thumbs up and flashed him a wink and he was just, he was adorable. I mean, they, then they wanted to hang off of it. So I was like, yeah, picking him up with my arm. It was very cute. And that makes up for every, every sure. jerk who right. has come up to me. Like all of that, when you make people happy that way, and they see, as you said, their favorite characters walking around, you know, even though they know it's just us dressed up, but like to see it up and about and walking mm -hmm. around like that makes up for every fool that has come up to me and tried to give me a push you know yeah i mean i just love that a little girl or a little little boy can see that captain america or winter soldier just as, as easily could have been a woman yes you know it's like that's so comforting say? to yeah. me because yeah. i i really do worry about that kind of thing and that is intensely comforting to know that they're they're okay with it yeah yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the gentleman, gentleman coming up and asking if he could touch your arm. Oh, yeah. You know, we see the signs at conventions now all the time. Cosplay, Cosplay is, is not, not consent. consent. Yeah. It's very important. I mean, what types of experiences have you had on that front? Have you found that people need to be... No, I've actually, I've been much luckier than a lot of my colleagues on that. Um, I am very, again, I don't do this to be ignored. I, I'm very aware people are going to come up for me. I will never say no to a photo. I am. I see those memes when they're it's cosplayers complaining like, "Don't bother me while I'm eating" or something. And I'm like, I'm here to be fun and bring this fun to other people. I'm never going to say no to a photo unless I'm being carried out on a stretcher. So <laughs> I'm not going to say no. So I'm. I'm very. As long as people are respectful and if they ask if they can, I, I've had people. I had a guy once dressed like the Hulk who asked if he could pick me up. 
And I said, fine, because you asked first. Like, you can't just go in and try to do something like that. But no, people ask if they can touch my arm. I say, as long as you ask first, there's probably not a lot I'm going to say no to. Obviously, I would never do anything inappropriate. But, and there is one thing that I will always refuse. Um, as Carter or the Black Widow or the Winter Soldier, I have been asked to point a weapon at some people I'm taking photos with. I will never point a weapon at someone in a photo, ever. Not ever. <laughs> and one of my friends actually wants to do a small panel on um, proper way to photo shoot with fake weapons because so many people seem to not know the gun etiquette on that. Huh. And we're like, yeah, unless like, keep your booger hook off the bang switch, please. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a thing. And everyone's just learning. Right. And we're like, it's one of those things where you, you teach as you go along. But no, I will never, I will never point a gun at anyone even in, in, for, for show. Uh, well, maybe on a, on a more positive note, uh, you know, so when you're in, in costume, are you in character as well? I try to be, yes. I think it's, it's more fun for me. I don't necessarily do that for other people, but it's more fun for me. And I do spend a lot of my time doing, quote unquote, good guys. So, because Agent Carter is my most prominent character. She's what I'm most known for. She's the one I have the most fun being. But I have to say, and I've done Captain America. I'm between suits right now, which is the reason I haven't brought Cap out a lot this year. Because... It's difficult. I buy my suits for Captain America. I'm not able to make those yet as it's a little out of my wheelhouse sewing wise. I'm, I'm self-taught. I'm a self-taught seamstress. So I'm still, I learn every time I do. Yeah, that's something I want to get into is how of you're course. actually creating these costumes. Absolutely. But um, I'm between suits because these manufacturers are so, they're great, but they're so used to making costumes for men. And we as women are just built differently. It doesn't matter how many measurements you send if you're not accounting for the fact that I have hips we're not going to be able to do this. Like my Infinity War Bucky is currently in production and I've only purchased the jacket because I do not trust them to make these trousers in a way that they will fit me. So I'm going to have to make my own trousers, which will be fun because that is, trousers and suit jackets are the things I have the least experience with. So that's going to be fun. But um, so I haven't brought Captain America out a lot this year, which I really um, regret doing. Not regret, but I, I wish I could have done it more. But when I'm Agent Carter, I try to be very much in character because she's actually a lot like like me. It's very easy to be in character as Carter because I do the pinup things. I'm, you know, I try to be a polished, classy lady like my mother, <laughs> rest her soul. So it's it's things like that. But then I will say, if I bring out characters like the Black Widow or the Winter Soldier, I have a version of Killer Frost from The Flash that I oh, do. Oh, yes, yes, I saw I do that. Killer yeah. Frost. Um, Killer Frost got stolen out of my car, sadly. So I have to, I was going to have to remake the corset anyway. So it was sort of, it was not the worst thing in the world that I was most sad to lose the wig, um, which luckily was store-bought and not one of my four customs. But um, yeah, so Killer Frost got stolen out of the car. So I was like, oh, I'll have to remake that costume. That's terrible. But when, Where? Was it at a convention? Or no, it was in front of my apartment. Jeez. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of confused as to they just grabbed a couple of bags and I'm like, okay, you got my washing and you got Killer Frost and you got <laughs> some other crap. Like, I mean, what did you think you were going to get? I mean, I don't know what you were expecting. But If only you could have been there when they started pulling the stuff out. Like, what, <laughs> what is, the hell is this? <laughs> I, I thought about that. I was like, I wonder if they're pulling all this stuff out going, what? <laughs> is there anything that's like so clearly identifiable that if you saw a killer frost cosplay at a convention unfortunately like, no i actually <laughs> i actually gave um my shopping list to about six other killer frosts <laughs> because I, I found a really good corset that was very close to the screen accurate one that she had so i was happy to share i, I believe as a cosplayer that we should share our information and i know there's a lot of cosplayers out there who don't 
And I'm, I'm disappointed at that fact, actually, because we're all doing this together. And I'm in a couple of really great communities on, on Facebook. I'm part of the Agent Carter cosplay community. I just recently joined the Black Widows, the Winter Soldiers, the Captain Americas. Everyone is so helpful and they're great at sharing information. And I don't understand cosplayers who are like trying to guard trade secrets because you don't own any of this. <laughs> We're just doing this for fun. And I, I, I mean, human beings will make anything into a competition, literally anything. So, and I, and I do, I'm insecure. I, I get jealous sometimes when someone's got like, you know, really good handle on something. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. It's not so much, I dislike this person for doing it, but I'm just like, oh, I wish I had that, whatever they've got like that. Mm that they can do and it just you know it helps me work harder on myself to try to get where I want to be but so I gave about six frosts the information so I was like I wouldn't even know if it was mine because I mean you'd probably know if it was mine because there'd be white body paint smeared all over everything because I will say she's a pain yeah with the body paint I had to do um not had to but I was asked to do in DC one of the first times I wore her a uh um, on the news, the news that morning, they wanted to bring some of the convention attendees there. So they, my friend called me up and said, how fast can you get into Killer Frost? And I was like, oh, Maggie. <laughs> so, yeah, how long does something like Killer that Killer Frost take? takes about, I guess what I would say like an hour and 30 because, because of the body paint. Um, and it depends. If I'm just planning to keep her jacket on, it's not a huge issue because it's just my face and my hands. But if I'm taking off the jacket, the corset exposes quite a bit. Right. So I do like to be accurate with the body paint for everything. And it's I'm doing this by myself. A, a lot of a lot of cosplay that a lot of the hurdles I've run into with physical logistics is just doing this by myself sometimes. I hooked up my corset to a doorknob and, you know, ran away from it to try to get it. <laughs> and let me tell you, that works. Depending on the kind of doorknob you have, like round doorknobs don't work so well for me, but the kind that are handles that, wow, I got a two finger with lace up on that corset with a doorknob, but it's it's by myself. Doing That's the, tough. It, 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 you don't think about it. Yeah, well, Until like Justin, you, like he has his his team. Yeah, he has a team, yeah. For Lobo, I can For, imagine. Yeah. Yes, I mean that. Oh God, I wouldn't take on that body paint job. Not if I was doing it to myself. Does it does it give you more, any more sympathy for the actors? God, yes. I mean, being in the suits, I do remember there was an interview that Chris Evans, um, Mr. Evans, did not like the suit for the Avengers. There was very little range of motion. It was too hot. We all thought he looked goofy in the cowl, which is why almost nobody cosplays that suit. So I do remember that. And I got into, I think I had a UD Replicas Captain America suit once upon a time. That was a full motorcycle suit, uh, full leather. <sighs> that was so uncomfortable. I was hot. It was stiff. There was no range of motion. I basically, I mean, the first time I was in the Winter Soldier, I got out of the arm and my friends had me in like an ice bath. And I'm, you know, in, I was in it for about 12 or 13 hours, which I'm sure nobody would have recommended, but I'm also insane and I really like to cosplay. So I was like, this is great. Let's do this. They got me back to the Airbnb and they're like, Peggy, we should probably get you to like an emergency room for this. It's looking very bad. Your arm is very swollen. This blood, oh. we should do something. And I'm like, we're in Chicago, get deep dish. And they were like, no, Peg, we're calling the hospital. I'm like, breadsticks. <laughs> it was just kind of like hanging out in a bucket of ice. <laughs> that's well. That's a physical toll, though. That you know, you don't really think about that. I passed out at C two E two. I was not in the soldier, and this was one hundred percent my own fault. Let me let me uh, preface this story with it was one hundred percent my own fault. Um, I was Agent Carter for all four days because we were doing an Agent Carter panel there. Um, I my feet were killing me because I'm in high heels all weekend. I took four aspirin at midnight. I forgot that I did this instantly. I did not eat or drink 
the next day and the blood drive is giving out really cool infinity war <laughs> shirts so me and another peggy were like oh infinity war shirt so and i love to give blood i think it's a great thing i think everyone should do it if they can so i was double corseted and i right at the end of my pint the room filled up with snowflakes and i think i said I think I said like, hello, or excuse me, or something like tried to get somebody's attention. And the next thing I know, I wake up and there is a ring of nurses around me. And they don't know my name. They know my character. So they're fanning me with my own fedora, saying, Agent Carter? Agent Carter? Are, are you okay? Do, do you want to raise Krispy Treat? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they kept me there for like 40 minutes because they did not trust me to get up and walk on on my own power, which they, should have, they shouldn't have trusted me. I was a wreck. And every time somebody passed, I looked very pathetic. So they brought me juice <laughs> and, and Rice Krispie Treats. And they gave me the shirt. And I said, but were you able to take the whole pint? So you can like actually use it. And they were like, oh, no, no, yeah, you're, you're great. You're a good bleeder. <laughs> like, Thank you. <laughs> Goodness. That's like out of a movie. But it's like it's, you it's, wake up and they're calling you Agent Carter. It's like, I'm, I've become her. <laughs> I almost wanted to be like, I see Steve. He looks glorious. <laughs> but it was it was 100% my own fault because I go too hard. And everyone knows I go too I know I go too hard. No, I give you a lot of, I mean, that's a tough thing. As far as, you know, being called Agent Carter, you know, that was something that was new for us when we did our cosplay and people were calling us Matt or Electra. I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming you're used to it at this point, like I getting am. called by, but it, like for us, like it, it definitely took a little getting mm -hmm. used to it. And there were definitely people who were like, Matt, Matt, and I, you know, didn't even register. <laughs> yeah, go yeah right I said, past. hey, hey, they're talking to you. I had uh, somebody, I did have a couple people at the G.I. Joe table who were very repeat visitors like everybody in that community knows each other they're very very kind very small and insular but at one point we had kind of like a new guy come up and uh, i was in my scarlet and uh, i forget which version i was in i have about eight for her and uh one of my buddies kept saying you know was teasing me i'm sitting on the table and he's like oh carter get your gams off the table and so we're all laughing and he's you know, calling me peggy and everybody's looking at me and this one guy goes well why are they calling you peggy you know you dressed as scarlet i'm like because that's my name, you ape. <laughs> it was just like, I was exhausted and it was just like, and I shouldn't have even been that rude, but I was just like, I'm tired. You know, that's a silly question. Um, I just, I want to jump back for a second because, you yeah. know, you talked about the, you know, the community of cosplayers, which mm -hmm. is an awesome thing. And then also, you know, some of the competition that, that goes, that happens as well. So I know there are actually cosplay, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording, but there are actually cosplay contests at a lot of these shows. Oh, yes. Right? Do you think some of the competition comes from from that piece of it? Well, I mean, there is unfortunately a divide even in the, I don't compete. I don't believe that any of my costumes are up to competition standards simply because I would prefer to enter with something that I fully made myself. And even with my Captain Carter, I haven't yet made the trousers for her or the gators, I'm using you know, store-bought things, and I would like to enter her someday just because she is my biggest build and my favorite, but I would like to have the entire costume be something that I, I produced and I made. And with the craftsmanship competitions, which get intensely serious, um, not, not necessarily in a bad way, but the only things that you are not permitted to make yourself if it's craftsmanship judgment is your wig and your shoes. So that's it's a lot. I have a couple of friends who have entered and won um, the East Coast Championships at C2E2. They come and they compete at New York Comic Con. I've known a couple of the judges. They're all amazing people. But we're talking 
French seeming inside that no one's going to see. The judges will will open up the piece and see it, but like these are details that no one is going to notice, and that's how hardcore the craftsmanship competitions get. Wow. And then there's competitions that are just for fun, and those are those are great too. I mean, everything there's positive and negative aspects about every single one of these competitions. As somebody with intense anxiety, I do not compete even in the smaller competitions, especially if they're judged by applause because I would explode in a cloud of red, white, and blue glitter if I was up there and they're like the magic hand is over my head and there's like a pl- applause generator. I can't do it. I can't deal with it. Other people like it. They enjoy it. Um, there are a bit of issues there sometimes because people claim that, especially if it's judged by audience participation, that's a lot of the time it will go to something topical or something funny and not really take into account the craftsmanship of the outfits. But I think that's kind of the onus is on both parties there because yes, there should be attention paid to the craftsmanship of everybody's costume. But if you're in an audience participation contest and you're concerned that no one's noticing the craftsmanship of your work, enter the craftsmanship contest. Like I think, I think it can go both ways on that, but you will see the most stunning things. If you go and watch them, I would advise just to go to watch at one point because between the actual outfits themselves to the stage presence alone. Like there are people that have won the crowd over because of stage presence. Um, There is a really great cosplayer. Her name is Silhouette Cosplay. She does a brilliant Loki. She has made all of these things herself. Um, Her stage presence is just electrifying. She just gets up on that stage and she is Loki. And it's so cool to watch. (laughs) And it's just, it's just an experience to see these people get so into this thing that they've created from the fandom and the love of this character. Yeah. No, I mean that, that passion and to see it, you know, translated so literally into, you know, into a costume and a performance. And then some cosplayers, I mean, they make careers out of this, right? Oh, yes. Um, I, I mean, mean how, like they get paid to go to these shows. Is that um, how it works? Or well, how? it's 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 a long road to get up there. Um, I would actually recommend if you wanted to know more about that because I'm I can't really speak to it. Um, I do this for fun. I don't ever do this for money, and I, it's kind of the way I like it because I don't want this to become so stressful that it's no longer fun for me. Right. There is a cosplayer. His name is Canvas Cosplay on Instagram. He's a wonderful individual, so talented. He does this for a career. He just released a book about it actually, and it really really explains very well how much work goes into it and how much you're going to go into debt before you actually start to see profit on it because it's materials, it's travel, it's time. Yeah. You can't just waltz in to a place and say, oh, hi, I'm a cosplayer. I want to, you know, be a guest at your show. Like, that's not how it works. Self-promotion is so difficult. And I'm terrible at promoting myself because I am so self-conscious. You kind of have to be, as you said about the charity things, it's it's easier when people are coming to you, but on right. that front, they, they're they not. So, you know, the time is flying by, but I really... I really I'm so sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is great. This has been so much fun. Um, but I want to make sure that we talk about, you know, I know you said you have, you know, there's a reason behind, you know, each of the characters oh, yes. you've chosen. I mean, is there maybe one in particular you want to kind of lay out for us? Because I would love to know sort of the motivation behind why you chose to be Agent Carter or Winter Soldier. Well, the Winter Soldier and the Widow are very similar. And... Captain America and Agent Carter are very similar, and I don't know how personal you're comfortable with me getting on However, these things, but yeah. um, Agent Carter especially, and to a lesser extent Captain America, um, I went through a rather brutal divorce. Uh, my mom died when I was about 20 years old, and um, I've never kind of felt right since after that, and I've always been sort of uh, you know, looking for acceptance, wanting to please people, wanting to, you know, every, it's not a crime to want to be special. Everybody wants to be special. But so... 
I will say, um, and I, I'm saying this as plainly as I can, um, after my divorce and the subsequent falling out, it was not, it was very traumatic experience for me for reasons I won't get into here. Not simply because it was a divorce, but because of the manner in which it was executed. Um, and I, there was the quote unquote custody battle where we did not have children, but I say that as in friends and places that we used to go together and things sure. like that. So it was very difficult for me. I ended up having, I lost my apartment. I, you know, lost my job. I lost everything. I was in a state that I had not planned on living in. Um, was lucky enough to have family who loved me and friends who loved me that were giving me places to stay, but I was very lonely and was not, you know, all the millions of friends purportedly in the cosplay world that I thought I had had, they were kind of ghosting me at that point because my ex-husband was very needy and demanding of a lot of attention and kind of nobody thought about how I was handling it. Mm. So, I mean, that happens. It does. So I was quite lonely and I kind of just thought, you know what? That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. My parents went out and I was going to set my hair and have a bath and then, you know, <laughs> I was going to kill myself. And uh, before I did that, I thought, let me, you know, have the, the last thing that I experienced be something I loved, you know, very much media wise. So I watched the first Avenger and I thought, okay, so Captain America goes down with his, in the Valkyrie, you know, assuming that he's going to just save everybody and that it's over, but it's not over. You know, he wakes up 70 years later and everything's gone and everyone he loves is gone and everything is new and frightening and scary and he has to deal with that. And Agent Carter is left behind in the 40s and he's gone and she has to go back home to stand behind the men again without her captain, without her war, not really fitting in anywhere. And I was like, okay, they experienced the biggest loss ever in the upheaval of their lives and they haven't given up. So maybe I should not give up. And that was kind of when I got very serious about the two of them. And Peggy especially has been a huge... I had an eating disorder, I have body dysmorphia, and to find out that these 1940s clothes complement my body type so much better than what's kind of out there modern-wise now, and, it's, and being in contact with other Agent Carter cosplayers, other people in the vintage community, um, the wonderful people at Besame Cosmetics who have become so so much fun and so important to me doing, these, doing this character and doing this cosplay, it's, gone, it's done so much for my confidence and my trying to learn to love my own beauty and as the agent says know my value it's so important and on the opposite side of that I went through a lot <laughs> with this divorce I, I have bipolar disorder I'm currently medicated I'm in treatment it's fantastic but there were times when we had to figure out what worked and what didn't and what medications weren't helping and the outside stresses of my my jobs my divorce you know everything the social issues that come with that so there have been times that I have not been proud of my own behavior and I'm not crazy about the way my life went and I feel like I'm scarred and traumatized and things are there are things in my past that are always going to be there. They're never, you know, they've changed my life for better or worse. So I always think about the Black Widow saying that there's red in my ledger and I think about the soldier and all of the things that he did, you know, not under his own control, but when he was pushed back against the wall and their, their thing was survival, both of them things they weren't proud of, but, you know, trying to turn everything around. You know, Bucky in the comics eventually becomes Captain America for a while, and the Widow defects from the KGB to S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's about redemption for them. It's about, you know, dealing with the past, knowing that the past is not the future, and kind of just building on that and moving on from that. So that's why the two of them are so special to me, <laughs> which is a little bit of a contrast as to why Steve and Peggy are so special to me, but all of those, I love those characters so well, and I do those cosplays for the majority now because I feel like there's pieces of all of them that somehow make me up right. as like a cosplayer and as a fan. 
Well, no, I mean, that's, that's so incredibly powerful. And I mean, we appreciate you, you know, sharing something, you know, that personal. Yeah, that's amazing that you, you did turn your life around and, <laughs> and um, everything. And that it's, it's nice to hear that, you know, these stories, these characters have, you know, can touch people's lives. And you're not the first person to say that, you know, that I'm sure I won't be the last way, either. <laughs> comics has in a way saved people's lives because, um, you know, even these characters with superpowers are still human um, or even if they're alien. Are, they're, are still, human. they're still they're people. They're people. Yeah. They feel things. I mean, I even feel that way about Hawkeye. He's always made fun of as the Avenger with no superpowers. And he's but, you know, he's still a person, still a hero. He still goes through all of that. I was lucky enough to get the chance to tell Ms. Haley Atwell a little bit of that story. I, I got a, a autograph and a photo op with her. And uh, I asked her handler, can I give her this letter that I've written her? And he was like, let me let me go ask. And he goes and asks and he comes back with this adorable smile and a thumbs up. He's like, yeah, yeah, you can give it. So I gave him the letter and I get up there and a fan had brought her a tray of cupcakes, red, white, and blue cupcakes, which of course she couldn't eat, poor thing. Um, you know, not wrapped. She was also filming Conviction right. at the time and she, I think she was supposed to be a character with a cocaine addiction. So like she probably had to drop weight for that. Um, she's exhausted. She was so kind to every single person in that line. And... I was very impressed with her professionalism because I could tell she was wiped out and she was still so engaging and so funny and so kind to everyone. So I get up there and I'm trying so hard not to let my mouth fall down the stairs. And I was just like, you know, Ms. Atwell, thank you so much for sharing your talent. And, uh, you know, the work that you've done and your portrayal of this character, honestly, it got me through the time in my life where I thought everything was over and I had lost everything. And, you know, you told me my story wasn't over yet. And just thank you. You saved my life. She looks at me and she just goes, wow, would you like a cupcake? <laughs> I, go, I go, yes, yes, I would. It had red frosting. It was delicious. <laughs> she was just adorable. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to have that moment with her. And, um, you know, so happy that, you know, you kept moving forward and you turned all of that into something so positive. And that I try. You know, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I don't know how well it's working out, and that, but, but I'm but still here. But what it's doing for you personally and then all of these people and the kids especially who are seeing what you're doing. I mean, that's that's a really wonderful thing. I mean, I, I love it when people come up to me and tell me that they've been given hope or comforted or inspired by any anything that I've, I've done. I mean... It's moments like that that are just so, so incredibly great. And then I think of what I almost did and how, how low I was. And I'm thinking, you know, like those moments wouldn't have happened if I had tagged out, so to speak. Right. And I have all these people coming up to me at New York Comic Con, even in the Winter Soldier in my costumes that I'm not, uh, that are rather new. And they're like, oh, are you Peggy Pincurls? And that's so incredibly flattering to me because I, again, I've, I've got, you know, low self-esteem and issues the way we all do. And. I, I'm nobody. I'm just I'm just myself. I always say I'm just a kid from Brooklyn <laughs> because I really am. <laughs> but so they're like, oh, you know, we love your Instagram. I you've inspired me so much. It's so nice to see the things you post. Your personal stories really, really touch me. And it's it's great that you do that. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like it's such a, a nice thing to hear. I, I want to make sure that we uh, we get to this aspect of it again, the hair, the makeup, the costume itself. Uh -huh. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to take us through maybe one of the cosplays and, and just kind of break down what what goes into it? Sure. Which one? I don't know. You pick. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, we've spoken a lot wanna... about we've spoken a lot about the Agent Carter. So, I mean, I feel like that would be fitting. But if there's one that you think. Well, maybe... I mean, do you want to talk more about one that I've made the most of myself or the ones that I that are the most difficult to wear? <laughs> Steph, you pick. Yeah, I guess. Um. I guess where you're styling your own hair and makeup and... Okay, I can tell you that for a lot of my costumes, I wear custom wigs. They're actually mm -hmm. made by a company called Hero Hair. They're very, they're great. Um, 
wearing a wig is not as easy as anyone makes it look. Oh, no, if you definitely do it not. Right, I will say that. If you want to do it right. Um, the prep itself for a wig, the kind of wig cap you use makes a difference. Um, whether or not you have a lace front wig makes a difference. I will always suggest lace fronts. Um, there's, I mean, what's really great is being vintage is the proper way to prep under a wig in theater and television is to use a pin curl set which is exactly what women used in the 1940s to set their hair. And what I'm doing when I'm not in costume is I'm setting my hair in a 40s pin curl set. So I'm kind of well-versed in that anyway. But it's how you avoid getting a wig headache, basically. You don't want to so break... So you can explain what a pin curl is. Sure. Um, yes, a pin curl. Yeah, sorry. Our largely I, male audience. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. So basically a pin curl is um, it's a flat curl against your head that you you wrap around two fingers until you get the curl laying flat against your head you secure it with two bobby pins and how you do that all over your head for a woman is how you would have the wig laying flat against your head as opposed to braiding your hair in a crown or, or trying to wrap it up in a bun which is going to put strain on your on your head and it's going to have the wig not sit properly and it's going to uh, you know, just be painful all around. I will say there are times for Peggy when I use my own hair. There have been times for the Winter Soldier that I've used my own hair, and it's two very, very different styles. Um, I have spent a lot of time um, on vintage Facebook groups and watching YouTube videos from wonderful uh, fashion bloggers like Miss Victory Violet or Miss Rockabilly Ruby about how to get my hair in that 1940s victory roll or pinback with the big front swoop. And I actually have learned quite a bit. Now people are coming up to me on my Instagram and asking me how I do my hair when 11 months ago I was sobbing with two Kirby grips in my hands, you know, begging my Facebook group for advice and cheesecake because I just couldn't do it. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, even with, with Carter, um, if I'm doing uh, one of the dresses or the army uniform, there's a lot of foundation wear that goes into that. I wear corsets. I have the same products that they put on Ms. Atwell for the show from the specific company. There's garters involved. There's, ste there's seam stockings. Um, I want to make sure the shoes are right. A lot of her shoes are very painful. So, you know, we get them stretched. We put moleskin in them. It's, they have to be dyed, things like that. With um, Bucky, it's the heat. It's, it's really that his costumes are grossly overheating. Mm. <laughs> so I've got the arm on it. I swell up a lot. Um, the, the, a lot of the clothes were, I've, I've bought my costume for Bucky from another soldier. And so it was obviously made for a man. So it fits me a little differently. I'm having one custom made for myself right now that will hopefully fit me a bit better. But I, I just look like a hot mess. Luckily, it works for the character that I look like such a hot mess. But um, Captain America, I try to be a bit more more polished and have that like shiny USO hawking war bonds kind of a thing for that. Captain America is probably the easiest to wear because it's very it's very straightforward the suit is kind of it's just it's two pieces the gloves are a bit of a pain the shield is about eight pounds which is not a pain to carry for three hours if that's the first costume you're wearing um when it's the fourth day of the con and i've worn the winter soldier arm the entire day before it's not as much fun to do that but sure i would have said the widow would have been the most i thought the widow was going to be the most comfortable costume i had until i got into the corset and the boots I can handle boots by themselves. I can handle a corset by itself. The two of those things together made me utterly, utterly miserable. <laughs> but I, I love it. I love, you know, doing the photos. I love getting the attention. But my friends found me in a corner of the Crystal Palace in the Javits Center, kind of sitting as well as I could on my with my head pillowed on my backpack. And my friends come up to me and they're like, oh, oh, <laughs> what happened to you? You were supposed to meet us four hours ago. And I just said, no, more superhero landings. 
please? And they were like, oh God, we're going like, to get some food in her. <laughs> well, I got to say, it's been, it's been really wonderful talking to you. I mean, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story and your process and, and every, all of your work with these characters. Thank I mean, you so much for really having a lot me. Of fun. I've been talking your ears off, poor old things. This, no, it's so interesting. Listen, when you're doing a podcast, you want people who come on and talk. <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder <laughs> if that's not the case. Um, no, this has been so much fun. And thank you both so much for having me and listening to my nonsense. Yeah, no, not at all. It's, it's really been a pleasure. So where can people find and follow you and see your cosplay photos oh, and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, I have an Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active. I'm at Peggy Pincurls on Instagram. Um, I do have a Facebook page as well, which is honestly tied to my Instagram. So it's, if you've seen one, you've seen the other, but that is under Peggy Pincurls with the subcategory Scarlet J, which used to be my old stage name, which I kind of shoved into the middle as you know for the problems i had earlier with the custody battle and everything but i can be found on most social media platforms as peggy pin girls feel free to say hello <laughs> i mean it's very nice to hear people appreciate my work so if i'm at a con and you see me please come up and introduce yourself i love talking to people so i'm happy to answer any questions anybody has about costume construction or makeup or hairstyling or wigs with what knowledge i've garnered over the years I am no expert. That is a disclaimer. There, I'm no expert. There is no health plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like I said, it's, it's been awesome, you know, talking to you and hearing about your, your journey. I want to thank you both for being part of this episode of My Comic Shop History. And to our listeners, so we'll be back with an all-new episode in two weeks with Jeff Beck, the owner of Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey. But before that, three Patreon-exclusive episodes that you can listen to before the next episode of My Comic Shop History. So first up, available right now, is the after show for this episode. So Peggy, Steph, and I are going to keep talking. That after show is available right now. There is also the Patreon debut of My Comic Shop Book Club, which has previously been a sub-series of My Comic Shop History. It's moving over to Patreon. And the first episode also is available right now. It is a discussion of the DC works of writer Brad Meltzer. Uh, so that's available right now at the $1 a month level. And then one week from now, Wednesday, November 7th, there is the uh, new installment of my Superman-themed spinoff, My Superfan History. That episode is a book club discussion of the Alan Moore classic, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. So again, new episode of My Comic Shop History in two weeks. In the meantime, there is the My Comic Shop History After Show, available right now. The Brad Meltzer-themed episode of My Comic Shop Book Club, available right now. And the... Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow book club episode of My Super Fan History, available in one week. As we always say here, hesitation kills, so get on it. Uh, thank you again uh, to both of you for being part of this. Thank you to everyone for listening. Don't be a flat squirrel. Mm-hmm.